Hi, I'm Alexandra Roxo, your host of the Holy Fuck podcast. I've created this podcast because I want to explore how the mystical touches us in our everyday lives, how the sacred and profane move together like two sides of the same coin. I found that in modern spirituality, we often separate the sacred and the profane. We look at certain things as being holy and good and others as being bad. And I've actually found that the most magical part of life is finding the divinity, the healing, and the transformation in all of it. In this podcast, you can expect to hear stories from people on all sorts of walks of life. You'll hear from a doctor, a sex worker, a poet, a motivational speaker, an activist, a mother, a birth doula, and all sorts of other people who are walking on an embodied path of healing and transformation as a soul awakening this lifetime. Each one of our guests will be sharing their mystical and numinous and spiritual awakenings, how the sacred has touched their lives and the profane too how they have explored life through sex, drugs, birthing, meditation, prayer, experiencing death and life, and all sorts of different elements that God, Goddess Divine, speaks to us through. If you found that you're also a rebel mystic who doesn't just fit into the simple ideas of good and bad, of spirituality, but sees the nuance that life has to offer us, then I hope you find a home with me here in this podcast. Enjoy. Hello. On today's episode of the Holy Fuck Podcast, I have my dear friend, Moon DeSimone. Moon is someone that I love so much that you've probably seen her on my social media if you follow me there. She is an incredibly inspiring woman. We've traveled to India and Nepal together. We've practiced together. We've cried together. You know, she's just... There's not much else to say, except that I hope you enjoy this. It's really a peek into our love, our tenderness, our friendship, and this woman who inspires me so much. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. I am very excited to have on today's podcast, my dear friend, Moon to Simone. Hi. Hi. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you, my love, for having me. It's such an honor. Well, the, the honor is ours, me and everyone listening. And so if you're listening um, and you don't know who Moon is, well, then congratulations. You have not been cyber stalking me for the last few years. <laughs> if you do know, then also congratulations because you're part of my family and my community. And if you are part of my community, you know that Moon is one of my dear, dear sisters. So Moon, for those... <laughs> people out there who are new to this wacky, beautiful family. Tell, tell us a little bit about you. Ooh, okay. We're going right into it. Okay. Um, hi everyone. What do you want? Um, you want a little bit more foreplay? No, I think, well, yeah, always. Hello. Always. Why are they, why do they <laughs> always. always cut to the chase so fast? Don't they know? I don't know. Yeah. I, I think that only some people, especially women, but anyways, I'm ready. Um, well, my name is Moon. I am is originally your name from really Moon. Yes. Okay. Let's get super honest up in here. Uh, my birth name is Montaja. And a few years ago, I think it was the 
first time I came back from India and a couple of my friends just started calling me Moon, which is M-O-U-N, which are the four first letters of my actual birth name. That is spelled M-O-U-N-T-A-H-A. Um, it's a Lebanese name. My grandparents from my dad's side are Lebanese. My grandparents from my mom's side are Italian and I was born in Brazil. So there's a whole lot. Um, and I've been in the States since I was 16. So anyways, long story short, I came back from India and a friend just started calling me Moon and I was like, oh, I really like that. And I just kind of, it, it stayed. It was definitely a nickname at first. And I was like, hmm, I kind of love this. So I just was like, you know what? I wanted, I want this to be my name. I want to be called by Moon. And I think it feels really sweet when I hear it has felt, especially the last five years that I've been, you know, essentially using Moon as my name. It feels as every time someone says Moon, I'm already instantly connected. It already feels like we're super close and intimate, which is all I ever want. So I said, yeah, this is my name. So, you know, just finding more and more ways to feel more home and connected. Um, so I go by Moon now. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for telling us. Because I'm sure there are people that are like, is, you know, is that her real name? Right? Yeah. 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 So tell us about. Yeah, I get asked that all the time. <laughs> yeah, I know you do. So tell us about who you are and what, what you're up to, what you're inspired by, what lights you up, mm. all that goodness. <sighs> this lights me up for sure. Um, I feel that I was a bit off and, and disconnected for most of my life. I, I used to, you know, I, I, I've modeled. I was on a, on a modeling TV competition show and I've acted and I've worked in a fashion magazine and it wasn't until the fall of 2014 when I first went to India that I was like, oh, there is a way to actually be inspired by life and the challenges and be excited to be who you are and not want to be some, something and someone else. Those are some of the things that really inspire me. And it's what my work revolves around now, this last three years that I've been mentoring women mostly and, you know, teaching workshops and retreats and, you know, creating spaces for me to share the teachings of the Buddha Dharma, Zen Buddhism that have completely transformed my life and have given me the, this, I guess you could say this wider perspective on the human potential and not being so caught on the human conditioning, which is where I was mm. sort of half asleep, passively going through life. Um, don't get me wrong. I had, a, I had incredible times and I loved, you know, the fun, the, the parties, the rock and roll, all those epic New York days that I know you can relate as well. And it feels really special to have found the Buddha Dharma when I did and to have recognized that, that there is more to me, there is more to us, there is more to life that it's so easily accessible and it's here within us. So that's some of the things that really, you know, get me lit up. And I can talk about this stuff all the time because it's really this practice of being so present and being aware that in every moment there is an opportunity for something that is unexpected. That is, there's an opportunity for possibilities and power and healing and just a space to be so at ease that you are as excited about um, your oat latte or making your bed or making love or just reconnecting with a friend. All of those things can be just as precious and extraordinary. Mm. Um, yeah. I love That's that. That's a little bit of a what's up right now. Yeah. I love that. Cause <laughs> I love that you just went into like what's touching your heart and, and what you're all about. And like, 
um, you didn't say, hi, I'm Moon, and this is what I do, da 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 and da 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 You know, like, I feel like most people would just give, like, oh, here's my bio. You know, I'm a this, I'm a this, I'm a this, I'm a this. But um, you really spoke to the things that you care about, which is one of the things I love about you is how you live from your heart. Well, you know what I was thinking when you were just talking, you were like, you know, when I was younger and whatever, whatever, I was not really fully living or whatever, whatever. I'm like, I want to hear about the part of you that was. So I'm so curious. Like, I know that your moon to Simone heart, like probably has been there since you're a little girl. Cause I have seen pictures of it. Um, I have, I, I, I'm, you know, imagine maybe like it kind of took a backseat for a few years, but I imagine like a little girl moon was like full of love and compassion, like you are now and maybe teenage moon as well and et cetera. Um, but I want to hear where that big, loving, compassionate Tara, you know, Kuan Yin, whatever you, whoever you want to call where that heart shone through, even in your darkest days. When you were like, mm. not quote unquote, a spiritual person yet. Good question. Um, I, I feel that it's interesting because I was, I was reflecting on, on something similar, I think last week, and I was speaking to with one of my students around, we've always been there. Like I've always been here. Like you said, like the deep compassionate heart has always been here, but the, the insecurities, the doubts, the judgment, all that for a long while was sort of running the show. But for us to have made it this far, for me to still be here, I'm 35 and I'm still excited about life. So that heart, that compassion aspect of mine must have been here all along. And it was. And, and I, and I feel that it does show when I have, when I have, when I'm asked to be of support to others, one way or another, it's, it's really sort of like, something that I've always had this superpower to like get out of the way and show up. And obviously it's been um, the case with my family and close friends that even when I was at some of the darkest times, when someone needs me, I don't really contemplate. "Mm, I'm really, you know, feeling super uncomfortable now, not really wanting to be here. I don't think so. I would always find a way to be there, which can be to a detriment as well. Cause I, I'm very, it used to be very easy for me to put myself second and be there for others. Whereas now I've, kind of transformed and integrated that into a power that I have. So the compassionate heart has been there and I see it mostly in those situations when others have needed me and I've, and I've been there. And then now looking back, it's, it's kind of exciting to see, oh, okay. So it really makes total sense as to what is it that I do now and why I love my work so much. And, you know, my students and clients call me a spiritual godmother. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And I love feeling like that, sort of big sister love that is always there no matter what that a bit that you know I think it's interesting because I I often contemplate like "Hmm, what are these are such expectations about how I would like people to show up and why they're doing this but there's always a part of me that finds oh they're humanist and they're conditioning so underneath all of that is a little child wanting love and support and to be seen just like I am so having access to that being able to access that so easily I think it's it's that kind of heart hmm. that, you know, I've somehow have cultivated for many lifetimes. Clearly it's not just from this one. <laughs> yeah. 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 So is there one moment that you can think mm. of where like 
your unexpectedly your heart kind of cleared the way of the obstructions of doubt or fear and security in a time where, you know, maybe you were living more insecure or anxious or, you know, but that heart kind of surprised you. Is there any specific moment you can think of? You know, as you're saying that, I, I, I'm thinking of a memory that I, I actually haven't thought about so much lately. But when I lived in New York and I actually lived with my brother, one of our best friends, we shared this one bedroom apartment and I was I was modeling back then. And, um, you know, I used to just have, you know, partake on, on some destructive behaviors to make sure that I stayed afloat in the modeling world. And I did some things that were harmful to myself and my body. And that's just what I did. I've already, you know, processed that through. It was just what happened. It doesn't define me. Thankfully, I don't feel like that. And I remember that there was one time that I was, I was, what do they call I was on hold for a really big job. And I had this grand idea that I would um, take some sleeping pills to sleep for three days until I heard back whether I was booked or not, just to make sure that I wouldn't eat or gain any weight or hurt myself or do anything. So I did. I slept for two days. But when I woke up, I think I was still in that like sleepy days, sort of like, is this real? What is happening? And there was one moment that it's so interesting now that I'm thinking, I was still laying in bed and I was like, you know what? If this doesn't work, you're okay. Because up until those moments, I would still think this is it. If this happens, your whole life will be done and you're ready. You know, that like put everything in a pedestal. And I, and I felt like, oh, I didn't know I had access to that little seed of love and potential. And it showed up in that moment because I heard this, this voice within me saying, even if this doesn't turn out, which it didn't. But I felt like, oh, and it's okay. And I think that that mm. just opened up space for me to see what else is here, that little seed of possibility. And ah, mm -hmm. there's some ways to be relaxed that it's not reliant on this one thing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, wow. I hope that this answers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a powerful story in general and just like speaks to the modeling industry and speaks to you know, kind of pinning our dreams onto one thing. I mean, sometimes I feel like everyone can relate to you've probably sacrificed something for your dreams. Maybe it's not the exact physical extreme that Moon just shared, but a lot of people sacrifice like their loved ones, like for work, right? Like they're like, okay, dad's busy for the next week or, you know, a partner or a husband or a wife or somebody. They, it's just like, well, the, the person is put on the back burner. So it's like, in that moment, you sacrificed, you know, a kind of a, your, your own health to a certain extent, obviously, like, mm -hmm. um, but for the dream to hold the dream, to hold tight to the dream. And I think that like, yeah. it's kind of, it's interesting to think about for everyone listening, like, where are the places in our lives that we still do that? And, and I think it's, it, you know, when we're younger and we're like, still forming and coming into these identities and bodies and beings, it makes sense that we would do the bigger things, you know, that are kind of ridiculous at times. 
The funny thing is, I, th I still think we do the ridiculous things, but they're so subtle now that they're harder to catch. Mm. You know, you're not taking sleeping pills for three days and I'm not either. But I think that, that, that as we become more evolved, like our ability to sort of trick ourselves or those around us, or it's not even trickery, it's just unconsciousness. It just becomes mm -hmm. um, harder to detect. And it's like the way we detect it now is like usually by other people's Re, you know, response or reaction to us who are people that we trust and love. But, but I do think that in general, like we live in a country where we have been told that in order to, that, that in order to be somebody important, we must make it, we must follow mm -hmm. the dream and do whatever it takes. So it's beautiful that you found that compassion for yourself in that moment. You're like, that voice came through, you know, because I think, yeah, we all need to remember that we all get into our own kind of, we think that we're the center of our own universe and that if we don't get the thing out or if we don't get the, you know, the job, the project, the client, the book, da, 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 then everything will collapse, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We, we associate our own worth and value with what we accomplish and I think it's just a conditioning of, of, of humanity right now, especially. And how many followers? What have you done? How much money? What's on your wall? And who do you know? And mm -hmm. I mean, I know I was hooked on that conditioning. And I think it's important that I, I feel that the more you begin to let go of those stories, you recognize that this worth and that has always been there. Like at the time, I didn't know that I was being compassionate to myself. I just thought, oh, I'm okay. You know, I didn't know right. that it meant I'm taking care of myself. I just knew that one way or another, I would be okay. So there was a remembering of this worth and value that it wasn't on that job or it wasn't on the, on the career. Um, yeah, it's such a, such a mindfuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so there's like, I'm curious, like, well, well, there's two different directions, two different questions I want to ask, but the first one is, is a bit of a, a pivot, but it's something that I'm asking everybody is to share some sort of, uh, an experience where you felt touched by the something that doesn't have words, um, to describe it, the great mystery that we can't understand, mm -hmm. which you sort of thought, like, I kind of, I snuck in, like, and asked you for an extra story. So I got two for the price of one here. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I'd love to hear, uh, yeah, like the, the, a, a deeper layer in a sense where not maybe deeper, but a different, um, a different direction of hearing that inner voice where it clearly stood out to you as um, being some sort of a portal to the beyond and maybe mm -hmm. not a voice. It could be a leaf that came and fell on your head <laughs> and blessed you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, the first time I was in India, it was so monumental and, and so, like, it, it was literally the turning point for my whole existence. Um, I was... I want to just I ask you really quick, was, why do you think India, and I'm taking you off chart, off course for a second, why do you think going to India is such a turning point for so many people's existence. Just to give people the context before you tell the story, because that probably calls sure. forth a lot of different things in people's mind. And I just want, guys, I want to put your mind at ease. I want to give you a little context before we dive in. Right. Beautiful. Good one, my love. I mean, we know that, 
I don't know if you all know, but we are completely impacted and affected by our surroundings. What it is that we watch, what we smell, what we see, how others make us feel, um, what we feel when we see others. Um, and to be in a place where spirituality and this mystery of life, this Eastern philosophy that we're all seeking so deeply here in the West is so readily available, whether you are Hindu or Muslim or, or you are a Buddhist. India is just so rich in that. Like you're walking around and you hear the sounds and you hear the bells and you hear the chants and you see the sacred cows and then you feel like the air is different and you're smelling the incense and people are not minding that you are, I mean, they're aware that you may look different, but they're not treating you differently. At least this was my, my personal experience. They are coming as close to you as they are to their own family members. It's not like, you know, they're not so aware of personal space, which can be a, a trigger to some people, but I just felt so held. I think it's a, it's a space that I, I walked down the streets and I was like, oh, I'm home. Mm. You know, I, I feel connected and there's so much, there's so much ritual. I think that's a huge thing too. There's so much ritual everywhere, whether they are, you know, sharpening their knives or they're, uh, you know, making the food or they're making their chai or they're just, you know, holding their malas and walking up and down and chanting, taking their shoes off and doing frustrations. It is very, it's in the fabric of the country to worship, to practice, to take time to get to know yourself and get to know something other than what's here so readily available by our senses. Even though the senses are a way into that, mm -hmm. it's not limited to that, which I think is something that we get lost. We're so so sense gratification driven more 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 less 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 i want to feel good whereas there we use our senses as a way you know our senses can be used as a way to access this portals like you so beautifully said they are available to all of us um i never thought i mean i i said this before i think five years before i went to india i honestly didn't even know where india was on the map it wasn't it was not part of like my thing i you know, I I was like raised Catholic and then wanted nothing to do with religion. And I was uh, I was just like, now I'm like, no, I'm all about drugs, sex, rock and roll, party, modeling, fashion. I That became sort of my religion. And then something happened in the fall of 2014. It was just like, my brother's like, you should go to India. I was like in this dark place. I go to India. So back to that story, I I'm at my first retreat with my first teacher, this incredible Buddhist nun, um, English, Venerable Sarah Trashley. You met her in Nepal. And there was a time we were doing a death meditation. And I was just like, oh, no, I don't want to think about death. I, I had no comfort as I do now to think about death and dying. And I just sat there and I was just crying and bawling and crying and bawling. And, and she just, the way that she spoke and... Something that she said during the practice and how I felt, what I was sitting, I was just like, oh, something else is here that I don't know what it is. Something else is helping me feel okay and at ease in this most uncomfortable practice that I wanted nothing to do with. I did not want to contemplate someone's death and be okay with that and accept that that's part of life. I didn't want to do that at all. I wanted nothing to do with that. And I was like, oh. It felt as like there was all these little doors around my heart that the more I I resisted and I stayed. They just were like shattering and opening. And I was like, oh, again, I'm okay. That sense of like, this is okay. You are okay. And accepting that even through those, th that discomfort, 
I could still find a way to get through it. I think that was that was pretty like I felt like the air changed. Mm. I felt like I was so hot, and then next thing you see, I'm no longer so hot because we've been sitting in the gauntlet for God knows how many hours. I didn't, and my legs weren't hurting anymore, and I was just like, oh, there isn't much of like I'm uncomfortable. I need to move. It was like, ah, mm. you know those moments that. It's almost as though when you swim in the ocean after you've been walking and you're so hot and it's that utter relief of, of all sorts. And I just felt like, I mean, I, I, I heard words and I, and they, they felt totally like my whole being was home and was safe and, 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 and supported. And, and it, it never felt like foreign, you know, if I was resisting because it was hard and far out, but I felt like, oh, mm. Okay, mm. a deep breath and and like, mm. mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, <sighs> thank you for sharing that. Thank you, my love. Mm. It makes sense that a beautiful place that we would know our eternal essence would be in the contemplation of death. Exactly. It seems to be the thing that most of the Western world avoids at all cost. Yeah. And when you were in India, did you see people, dead people on the street or people uh, being cremated or anything like that? Yeah, I I did. Before before I saw people being cremated in Varanasi, I saw people that were very, you know, physically disabled and were walking with just their hands there and I just saw a lot that would that was you know I have it was very hard at first I was just like oh it was jarring to my system because it was so like it's so much suffering so much physical suffering right there in front of me it wasn't there wasn't no like oh here it is watch out it's coming up it was just there mm-hmm. and and when that when we were when I was in Varanasi I was like I smell something I'm like it's not incense, it's not clothing burning, it's not, and I was like, oh, it's human flesh burning. Mm-hmm. The smell felt so recognizable. Wow. <laughs> it didn't feel far out. I was like, oh, I didn't know it was. I was like, oh, it's human, it's flesh. And and then when we walked close to the Ganges, there was a whole ceremony because that's where people go to die. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very surreal, but again, it's as the celebration as it is if someone is being born, or you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I read, I, I read recently that like one of the places, you know, we have cameras everywhere in our society nowadays, but um, we don't have cameras around death and dying, and we don't have cameras mm-hmm. around funerals, and like we don't have cameras around the way that our our food is um, killed or made. But it's like those areas of death mm-hmm. are just like we're not allowed to see them. Mm-hmm. Like we're not a we we can have you know you can Google babies being born you can watch it all in over Instagram right, but you can't see people dying usually. Mm-hmm. You don't see that it's it's so taboo, and it speaks to so much of our society's, I think, problems and why we consume and we hoard resources and we take things from each other. We don't really think about sharing. It's like this 
fear of death at this core, like the survival mechanism that's like anything but that, you know, and we saw that <laughs> last year with the freaking people hoarding toilet paper and like, you know, like that was just a, such a strange thing. Just like, yeah, especially because I was like, just put your ass under the faucet and the tub dummies, you know, like, why are you? He will be okay. Be yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. It's fascinating because it's the only thing we know for sure, 100%. It is a fact that it will happen to everyone. But anyways, this is a whole other conversation, how we're so deeply scared of something that is a fact. It's just um, because there isn't, there isn't a way to justify. There isn't a way to explain. There, because, well, like, so where are you going? What's going to happen? And <laughs> do I see you there? Shall I call you? No one talks about it. We don't know. And... Yeah. What do you think that that does would, to us yeah. as humans, though? Like this elephant in the room that, that we don't understand, especially, I mean, maybe it's just in the Western room, rest, Western room, <laughs> the Western world. But um, what do you think that that does to us? Well, I think it, it keeps us in this perpetual state of fear, of, of, of resistance. It's like, I don't know if one could truly relax until we can accept more and more of what's right here in front of us. It's like, there's a clock, it is ticking, it's going to happen. But we resist to accept that. So there's always a part of us, ah, it's like you say to her, oh no, ah, it's like, oh no, 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 I don't want to see that. Oh, I don't want to hear that. So we're constantly, it's like mini heart attacks. The body and the mind and our whole systems are always stressed. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's much more of a shock when it actually happens. Mm -hmm. um, that's why, you know, in, in a lot of traditions in Buddhism, including that, there's so much practices around the time right before so that you can really transition in a place of ease and relaxation. So, I mean, you know, I don't know if, what our people's beliefs are, but I believe in reincarnation. I believe in many lives prior and, and after. So how that impacts where what ends up happening or, or where you go. But even if you don't, wouldn't you want to just those last few moments to be so relaxed and, and more easeful? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, but that means that we yeah. have to kind of confront it a little bit uh, ahead of the time, you know, and totally. I think it speaks to having, you know, elders in nursing homes away from people, even this last year with COVID, like, we didn't see bodies, we didn't see unless someone in your family you know, died, you probably even then you probably didn't go to a burial, you know, so it's like, it's, it's almost like I felt this feeling of like, like, where is, I actually need death closer. Like in order to mm -hmm. feel my humanity, I need, I need to feel it closer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, just feeling that, that the world that we live in is so sterilized from it. It feels so far mm -hmm. from it. And it's like, yeah, like, um, you know, as I was watching The Handmaid's Tale yesterday and, um, and I was really contemplating how in, you know, in so many religious texts, they're able to use war and violence as allegory, as symbolism, and as like really actual death, like death being a huge mm -hmm. kind of physical and spiritual metaphor. 
And um, I had this sort of like young spiritual notion before of like, I don't want to take violence in, you know, because it's Mm -hmm. like too much. But it's funny because now I'm kind of thinking that it's the opposite, that actually my ability to intake suffering, it's kind of like the Buddhist practice of like the Tonglen where you breathe in the suffering Mm -hmm. um, or the Chud practice, which is the Tibetan Buddhist practice where you imagine that you're feeding your body to demons, right? And like, there's so mm-hmm. much, there's so much visual, even in the paintings of the Dakinis who are, um, I mean, sky dancer, mythological Tibetan Buddhist or mythological, it depends, could, de- magical beings uh, <laughs> who hold a, uh, a knife and a skull full of blood that they're about to drink. And I, I, I I was feeling proud of myself because as I've gotten past that sort of those sort of like spiritual puritanism, I actually can Mm. sit with violence and suffering even in in cinema, which is far removed from seeing a body on the street. But even then I can sit with it without being as squeamish, you know, because Mm -hmm. then that is a fuller acceptance of all of reality in a way. And I'm curious what you think about that as as the practices of us like how do we become closer to 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 death and suffering and not be afraid of being close to suffering good yeah it's it's interesting because what i what i find what i have found lately is that it just it just allows us to be more available to ourselves i mean we can start there more available to destructive emotions or to emotions that we don't know how to explain such as, you know, anger or resentment and then sadness, whatever, you know, whatever range on the spectrum of emotions. I think we could start there, just accepting that we have this full range of emotions that are here and their information instead of, oh, no, 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 I'm good, I'm good, everything's good. And we're denying so many huge aspects of ourselves. And it's just keeping us sheltered. It's literally just keeping a, like a, a, just parts of us are really living. And it's, uh, it's, it makes me quite sad, actually, when I when I see people like that. And I remember times where it was like there was only a few channels available on this TV. And I thought that it was okay. And people think that it's okay. And you shelter yourself from, from experiences, from things. You don't want to walk around people that are different or they may trigger something in you because of whatever. And taking every day for granted. You know, just taking, oh, I just woke up today. Well, it happens every day. It's really something amazing. And we are like, no, honey, it's a fucking blessing. It is a gift. It's like a miracle. Um, so I would say, like, start making friends with, with those emotions that you don't know how to deal with and make friends with the fact of, of, of things being uncomfortable. And I think that the main issue is that we think that things are going to stay as they are. You know, it comes back to that of, like, we think that if it's bad, it's going to stay bad forever. If it's good, we want it to stay good forever. I know I'm going on so many different places, but it's such exciting topics that I'm like, oh, what yeah. do you want to talk about? Um, yeah, Lunch. I think contemplating. Go ahead. Yeah, no, you go. go. Ahead, no, I, I would say that at least wake up and, and recognize that it's a miracle that you woke up. Like I was in retreat with one of my teachers in 2019, and we were in a 30-day retreat and every single morning she greeted us not like hi good morning great to see you no one day closer to death we made it this is literally how she greeted us and i was like yeah and it was really hard at first and i was like no it's true because we we begin to value and 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 appreciate 
each moment so much more and not wait for when that happens. And I think it goes back to our original conversation around worth and value. You know, when I have that, then I'll be worthy. Or when I look like that, then I'll be valuable or valued. And and it's already here and it's much more simple. We tend to complicate things for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more we become comfortable with those emotions, and I, I speak for myself as well, the more I become comfortable with emotions that I have such easy access to, like anger, I'm more relaxed, actually. It doesn't actually permeate my being. It happens the, the complete opposite happens. I'm like, oh, wow, I have so much more access to patience and, and, and loving kindness because I'm, I'm hanging and, and like having tea with anger instead of denying and shoving the door in its face every single moment. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, quick interlude here. I hope you're enjoying this podcast. If you are, I'd love for you to check out my book, Fuck Like a Goddess, my guide to healing yourself, reclaiming your voice, and standing in your power. Publishers Weekly called it a sharp, forceful debut. It was one of Bustle's best summer reads and a bestseller in three categories on Amazon. These are my methods that I'm teaching to inspire you, challenge you, bring up your resistance so you can face it and get free and unleash your gifts. How to let life make love to you, enjoy every bit, and find the magic in all of it guide. You can find it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, IndieBound, and Sounds True, or by visiting alexandraroxo.com book. Thank you so much. It means the world to me to have your support for my work. Back to the podcast. So basically what I, what I love is that you're saying that, you know, sort of our ability to face suffering or death really starts with ourselves and it starts on the micro level. Like, I mean, hello, if you can't face your own internal, you know, feelings that are uncomfortable, then you may actually seek, say, to watch violence in order to escape yourself. And that's very different Mm. than being able to face your own pain and suffering and discomfort to feel it to hold it and to be able to look towards someone else and um and breathe or or experience or even just witness their pain and suffering and i think it's true if we avoid if we avoid ourselves we avoid our own pain or discomfort or we lie to ourselves pretend it's not there then usually those that same tendency stretches outward into the world, pretending like yeah. life is beautiful. There's actually nothing wrong with this world. It's incredible. Don't you see? It's full of miracles. Yes. And it's full of mm-hmm. suffering. And, um, you know, this is part of what I love about Buddhism is that it, it asks you to hold all of it, just like your teacher saying, like, good morning, you're one more day closer to death. You know, like the American sort of new age spiritual kind of, tendency would be like what how how could you say that like it's like wake up and say like everything is love and that too it's both you know Mm -hmm. but which one is Mm -hmm. more comfortable and which one asks you to actually stretch and to look towards yourself Mm -hmm. more deeply right yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and so i want to ask you if you're open to sharing i know in the last few years Mm -hmm. of your life i know you've shared some about this online so i hope i'm not crossing to ask you you know here but you've had to face a lot of uncertainty about life death and illness in your own life and i'm curious if you're open to sharing about that yeah anything specifically (laughs) just how i face it well everything that you've gone through with your mom yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
in the last, in the past, you don't have to talk about the present. You can talk about the past. If, if it, yeah. if you feel comfortable, if yeah. not, don't worry about it. I do. Okay. Oh my goodness. Of course. I, I, I talk about everything. Yes. It was very unexpected in 2019, which now seems like a lifetime ago. Um, my mom was first diagnosed with breast cancer and I'm incredibly close to her. And I didn't really hesitate once when I heard the news and I said, I'm moving to Florida. I'll be taking care of you. It was just like done. It, I was like, mm, should I do that? I just moved into a new lease. I'm excited. I have this apartment. And I was teaching and like, you know, on the outside, again, everything is like, oh, super excited. Hi, life. And then, you know, there's this big challenge. And I was faced with a lot of, a lot of my own, my own, my own suffering that I had, you know, toward perhaps not looked at in the past. And I also recognized how much power I have around suffering, especially when someone else needs me, like I shared in the very beginning, um, yeah, I recognize that the, the practices have completely, you know, supported me to arrive at that place and show up and be completely available to take care of her and to be the number one main caretaker from driving to the appointments, to being at home, to doing everything. And it really shook me to my core to see how, one, so many people go through those experiences by themselves because I couldn't imagine that. And I really wish that upon no one. And also I recognize that like we are saying, there is a way to hold everything. I think that that's the transcending aspect of the practice. That's not such that dualistic, Oh, it's all good and wonderful. Or it's so terrible and, and bad. Right. You know, we do have, I recognize deeper. I realize more of this potential within me to be able to hold everything. Cause it was a very challenging terrifying experience and at the same time i'm there feeling more at ease and relaxed and empowered than ever and i'm just like whoa 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 sometimes i was like wait what's happening i feel like i'm high and i'm like no you're not it's just there's more available because i was i wasn't like i want this to end i was like this is happening i accept and what else is here mm. and and it was it, it became sort of this beautiful thing that i was constantly practicing Tonglen. It was just like literally in every moment of the day, I was just like breathing in my mom's suffering, my suffering, the world's suffering and, and sending out more love, more kindness. And that essentially permeated my mind for a long time. Mm. So again, I wasn't so distracted and I could use more of my time to do that. And it made me so strong. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, I was thinking, I was like, oh, I'm so, but I was like, oh no, I'm, I recognize that that I, I realized that I, I'm much stronger than I ever thought I was. And that I have this, not just me, it's not, I'm not speaking, that, that was just what led me to that. But the whole gist of this is seeing that every challenge has an opportunity to help us to transform and to heal and to grow. And, and it did. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think that it helped me, like I shared in the beginning, to be more available because I needed to be available to all of her, to all of the situation, to all of the experience, I became more available to parts of me as well that I had once sort of like put that in the closet and just closed the door and locked it and said, see you later, I don't want to deal with it. And I didn't have that because I was like so in the practice in every moment. So I was just cleaning house all the time and and also realizing how how I'm scared of, of, of so many things still, you know, because I feel so powerful and I was like, but I'm still so scared and intimacy and this. 
So it's like allowing that to be a constant dance that never really ends until, you know, you reach enlightenment. Um, and I think that that was one of the most powerful experiences that I've ever had in the, one of the most challenging experiences at the same time that um, I recognize so much beauty and, and, and potential for healing, I guess. Yeah. Mm. Something new comes up every time I'm, I'm talking about that time. So it's fascinating. I didn't expect that this was going to come up, but <laughs> I hope it answers what you're asking. Yeah. I love I'm curious for, for, especially for people listening that may be going through a hard time in their own lives or with a family member who's ill or maybe someone who's, who passed or um, having to move suddenly, et cetera. What I'm hearing from you is that well, what I'm curious about is like, did, did you ever have a meltdown on the floor? Did you ever go into a victim narrative of like, I can't believe this is fucking happening to me? I'm shaking my head and I'm, I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I resorted to screaming in the car by myself, eating potato chips and crying to you. And, you know, sometimes I'll go into the ocean and just like go underwater and scream. Um, you know, screaming is a huge support you know, practice to me. And, and there were moments that I was like, is this actually happening? Or I was still dumbfounded yeah. that, um, that that was happening because I was like, I, I never thought this would happen. You know, I think that that's what happens again because we don't talk about these things. And um, yeah, I, I, I often ask, I was like, is this really happening? There were moments that I was still sort of like, hmm. Um, and I, and I also recognize too that I have a tendency to just like, okay, what's the challenge? Let's go. What's the plan? Sort of like warrior, let's go. So the residual of tending and being tender and taking care of the parts of me happens over time. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel that my, my main feedback or advice, I guess, would be for someone that's going through something like this is to... Be super present in each moment because the mind would just take you to the worst case scenario like this. While you are in those situations, what's happening right now? We're here. You're okay. And then what's happening right now? I'm okay. I'm here. From moment to moment, where are you and what's actually happening? What's the truth that you can see and experience, not what the mind is, is saying? And do take care of yourself because um, especially for people taking care of others, we tend to forget to take care of ourselves you know holding ourselves while holding others i've learned to do that after sort of denying my own my own care and loving um which then doesn't help because i'm not helping anyone right yeah and also the breakdowns are totally necessary the meltdowns are totally okay yeah um you're not no one's expected to just be perfect and ready at all times that's all, again not a real experience yeah i like how I like your warrior mode that you go into. And I know that it, like everything in life has a shadow side too, right? Too much fire, too much forward motion, too much get things done without enough of the like softening and slow moving or actually mm -hmm. feeling what's present. Um, and, and I know for me in those situations that like, it's so easy for the fear, and I say those situations, and I'll be more specific, like situations or moments of, of crisis, um, be it, you know, physical, emotional, et cetera. But um, 
that the fear is, you know, even though I've done a lot of work in my own way around learning how to uh, orient the mind away from fear towards love, towards peace, towards grounding, whatever, when shit hits the fan, that the fear just takes, I mean, th- COVID is a perfect example of like mm-hmm. that everyone was under a fear spell, especially at the beginning, just like, and I think that everybody's bodies and nervous systems were got really tapped out from being scared all the time. Um, and I'm wondering if there's anything that you do in those moments where you feel the fear creeping in because you've been close to your mother in the hospital and the, all of these rooms with, you know, I mean, doctors and, and, you know, scary words and conversations. I remember when I was in the emergency room in Mexico last year, I was like nearly full panic attack, you know, when they were like, I mean, I was exhausted and the exhaustion hit the sort of wall of then supporting someone else while I couldn't support myself, which then led to like literal like feelings of psychosis. Like I was losing my mind, you know, and I was like, I don't know, like, how do people do this ongoing, you know? So I'm curious Mm -hmm. if you have any kind of like experiences or tips around when those moments of fear are just running you into the ground. Maybe you're a mom, maybe you're taking care of other people. Like how do you maintain some sanity? Yeah. What I've learned to do, you know, that again, back to that time, what I've learned to do is to, you know, I've spent quite a lot of time also tending to these emotions that in the past, I didn't know how to deal with them. Um, And I've learned that they are information, number one, and they just want to be heard. I, I, I sometimes visualize fear as this like little lost little girl, just like, you know, roaming around the house, just wanting to be seen and wanting to be heard. And then I give space to it. Like a part of me feels fear, like, hey, fear, come in, have some tea, let's have a chat. But you're not moving in, which is where we would go. It's either total denial, no way, push out, push away, or full over identification. Worst case scenario, this is it, it's all over. Um, again, back to the dualistic mentality that we're talking about with, with death and dying and being alive and all pretty, we don't really know how to hold everything. And so mm-hmm. I would, the number one thing that I do is just first recognize it's only one part of my experience that's feeling fear. Only a part of me is, is fearful. There's another part of me that is excited, that is resourceful, that is useful and give space to it. Like, what is it that, what is the story that you're making up? What is it that you really believe? And then I can ask myself, is this actually true? Again, in this moment, that is not true. And then from moment to moment, let's say worst case scenario, it's all over. There's no way out. But is that true in the moment? No, this is a story that that you're making up and watching how the body, you know, feeling into how the body is reacting is a good way for you to take care of yourself because sometimes the mind is so busy. You know, I noticed that like my throat is super dry and like I get a stomach ache. Those are like the, the response that I'm like, oh, shit. Okay, it's here. Yeah. Um, so tending to ourselves with, a little breathing, a little stretching, a little screaming in the bathroom if you can, yeah. and knowing that even fear or the worst thought is also just passing. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of work to do that. And 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 what I like to remind myself, and and when I speak to clients and students, is that 
it's like a muscle, you know, this, this ability to hold the emotions and advocate for them in the sense, not buy into the hook of it's all over, it's done, you know, or, or go into the habitual patterns of denial or numb being. Mm-hmm. But then they still stay there. They're still outside trying to get your attention. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. So, so true. Yeah. And I, I think another important part, which maybe you have like naturally is just the co-regulation and the nervous system regulation um, with other humans, you know, being around other humans who are, have a regulated nervous system, you know, meaning they're not in a dysregulated state of fear um, where they're sort of, um, they're in a crisis mode also, you know, cause it's like the worst if three people are just like, Oh yeah. What's that? Okay. What are you going to do? Okay. You go to the, you know, it's like, then it's just somebody eventually has to be the one to go guys, stop. Let's, let's take a deep breath and calm the fuck down. Right. So, um, I think in general, though, uh, we underestimate the power of like just being around another person, having someone put a hand on your leg or, or your arm or your back or take a deep breath with you or just give you a hug, you know, and I think in this last yeah. year, um, that has been a real part of our own crisis of not having that always if people don't have other bodies around, other nervous systems around because of COVID. Um yeah, and so something beautiful is like, I feel like the, the relationship between you and your mom and your ability to, and your brothers and your whole family being, um, that it's not just you always, but I know it's also just you sometimes too, but you have a, <laughs> a whole, um, a whole posse on the team, which is really beautiful. Yeah. 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 It's a good karma. You could say that we have full rich karma that we have, you know, coming to this life together again. Definitely. Um, yeah. I think we, we have access, we have an ability to work with what we got if we want, if we choose to, you know what I mean? Like everyone, everyone has, I think that that's the main thing. I just wanted to add to everything that we just said. Like, of course, I feel very safe in my being because of the support, because of the foundation of my family. You know, it's truly a blessing that, I've never not felt safe, even in, in the most hectic time. Somehow, some way, I have felt like, oh, I have a support system. I'm okay because of them. Um, and I know that it's not the same for everyone, obviously. And we underestimate the power that's already within us because we think we need other things in comparison to other people. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So if we get to get out of our way a little bit and say, okay, what is it that I have? It's like, I want to make a cake, but I don't have oranges. I have carrots and bananas. That's what you got. So you can still find a way to make some kind of a cake with what you got. And um, I mean, it takes a lot of a lot of, of practice in and peeling away of those layers to remember that we have that, you know, infinite well of resources that never ends. Um, but it's possible. Yeah, I mean, I, I never I wasn't able to speak so clearly in the past, let's say, or or stand up for myself in the way that I do now. It's been cultivated. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't ever this well spoken or able to just show up so powerfully. And you everyone has those things that we just have to cultivate and exercise. But yeah. It takes it takes practice, but it's possible. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. And life calls us into experience where we get to choose if we meet it as an opportunity to, to create um, more of our beingness and to bring more of us out, out of the conditioned responses and into the true essence of our being. You know, it's like mm -hmm. each one of our life experiences is just another one of those opportunities to to know ourselves at the core, you know, and um, yeah, we've kind of reveled in the last year and a half, or, or maybe that's the wrong word. We've we've reflected, I think, in the last year and a half, how um, just wild it's been that your life completely changed overnight, and how that's made you into this next part of your person, like, and how it's stretched your compassionate heart open further and how it's like showed you like that all the like tiny sort of petty, small, superficial things are actually not important. And mm -hmm. that there are so many blessings to not to sound trite, but there's so many blessings in each kind of obstacle that we come against in our lives. And that maybe they're actually not obstacles. Maybe they're, you know, just like an opportunity that holds everything, just like life, you know? Yeah. It's not bad. Yeah. It's not exactly. good. It just is, you know? I know you had no idea that I was going to talk to you about fear and dying and crisis. <laughs> I love it. I think it's, I think it's very timely and necessary. I, I also was actually just thinking, I was just like, hmm. Interesting. It's just so interesting to just see where things go and, and how that is just accepting what's, what's here right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like it. And I think that, you know, um, your ability to sit in those places is something that is of high value and a resource because, you know, a lot of people are, are really scared um, to sit in those places of discomfort, be it in the hospital with a family member or getting a diagnosis back of cancer of a family member, um, you know, sacrificing leaving one's life. Those to me are the fact that you're able to stay in those places with such presence, depth and openness. It's just, it's like, that's what I want to talk to you about because that's, I mean, that's the harder thing for anyone to do, you know, it's like we can get on Instagram and we can make a fun video and we can look pretty and we can empower ourselves yeah. and each other. But what happens when, yeah. what happens when shit hits the fan? That's what I really want to know. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to know yeah. who yeah. someone is when life comes and says, okay, you ready for this ride? Like you're going to do it. You're going to come on board, you know? So mm -hmm. that's most interesting to me. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so what are you working on now? And what is what's like, you know, back to, to a little bit more of your your personal kind of yummy, you know, moon experience um, outside of the sort of big, big ideas and back into you? Um, like, what are you working on right now? What's inspiring you? Um, what kind of kind of offerings are you creating and how do you work mm. with people right now? Yeah. Um, the, there are two things there. They are in the works right now. Um, I've created this curriculum after I did a 10 week um, mentorship program with 
six powerful women that I have been working with me for quite some time and they wanted to continue. And I, I've been very curious about, you know, some secret teachings of Adakini, which we talked about, which is like in Tibetan Buddhism, Adakini is a wise, advanced, dedicated practitioner, a female practitioner, even though in the old text, it does define the, 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 you know, your, the sexes and your, how you show up in the world, but I have decided that I wanted to make this course, the teachings for, you know, all female identified. Um, and I think with time, I wanted to be less separated and, 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 and specific, but I think it's important to just offer this to women, especially when it comes to Buddhism, that there's been so much like heavy patriarchal male teaching. Anyhow. Um, I created this curriculum after spending a lot of time with some incredible female teachers myself. And it's been incredibly exciting to not only reflect on those teachings that include purification and empowerment and chanting and, and visualizing yourself as a Dakini and using the power of your mind to uncover that potential that is within us all. So I've now created this into a, a, a five-week course. I have one going on now, and there's another one that starts in two weeks. And it's a larger group. And again, space for women, for all women to come together and, and not only share and listen, but feel what it's like to show up and share their own suffering and their fears and, and feel more connected to those spaces. Because um, something so incredible does happen when you just hear someone else sharing something that reminds you of a part of your story that you may not have had um, the resources to talk about or to tend to. And just by hearing someone sharing about their own story, waking something within you that helps you to move through way greater than you just trying to do it on your own. I mean, like the Buddha said, the Sangha is the path, the community is the path. So, you know, doing this work in community is a huge part of what I'm, I'm here to do as well. Um, that's one thing. Mm. And I've created another curriculum. Clearly, I love the curriculums. I just love studying, as you know. You and I have that in common. I love studying studying the mind and understanding all the ways that we can get more in touch with ourselves. It's um, a mentorship that is called the spirituality of our emotions. Mm. How to hold yourself while holding others. Um, again, like we talked, making friends with more emotions, being available to more of them. And why are they so powerful? How are, they are literally ruling it or ruining our lives. So we could, you know, make friends with them and take care of ourselves and others. Mm. Um, and I do work with, with clients one-on-one on a private mentorship program, which is also so juicy and exciting. Mm. That's what I'm doing right now. And using every free time I have to continue to deepen my own practice, you know, to continue to deepen more ways that I, I am available and, and, there for myself so that I can continue to show up for others and, and stretch my ability to be with all this mystery. <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. Wow. Your classes sound great. I wish I could take one. I mean, I know I can <laughs> just timing wise, maybe it'll happen at some yes. point, but um, for everybody listening, uh, please go check out moon's classes upcoming We'll put all of the links here. And this is, um, you know, it's a particular type of spiritual practice that you've heard us call you into with this podcast. You've heard us um, kind of inviting you into this realm with us where mm. uh, it, 
the word advanced feels a bit silly, but it's 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 maybe different than what you would get in another spirituality class or um I mean, it, I don't even know what would you call it. I just, if not advanced, um, what would you call it? Like, I think for, it's for those really committed. Yeah, that's it. And devoted. Yeah. This is not. This is not personal development. Exactly. Like, you and I both are not teaching personal development. We're talking about real spiritual practices in this path of liberation, um, instead of distracting <laughs> with more fluff and, and self care. It's more about how can you be more free to show up for others it's always you know with altruistic um tendency as well and i think that that's where it all comes back to the genuine aspect of us that's there yeah yeah there's a deeper level of yeah transformation i think and and it's showing up and there's like a commitment mm -hmm. there right when you say okay i'm going to engage with my life more fully my spiritual path more fully and then to be witnessed by other women. And, and to me, those are the type of programs that I'm also like, fuck yeah, that's what's really fun. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Wow. Well, thank you mm. so much for going deep with me today and, and um, you know, just being open to share about your stories and the places in life that you're growing and, and you know, moving into and expanding. And it's really... Um, I feel the the depth and the richness that I hope everyone else feels in your heart with this conversation. Um, so enjoy. Thank you, my love. Yeah, everybody enjoy the rest Thank of your you day. So yeah, it's been amazing to talk to you and share. So thank you for amazing juicy questions and for having me truly thank you mm. all right everybody we'll see you again very soon have an amazing rest of your day bye thank you so much for listening to today's podcast for more 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 follow me on ig at alexandra roxo and you can get on my mailing list where i send poems practices rituals links to upcoming retreats and events and all kinds of goodies and if this podcast has touched your heart, please let us know. Please write us a review, give us a five-star rating, all of that. It means a lot to myself and everyone involved. Big, big love, my darling. Have a fabulous day and see you again very soon.